0: Second. did you ever think you would make it i feel i'm supposed
1: could take sweet victory i know this life meant for me yeah why would you bet on goliath when we got bet david value taming giving values contagious this world of entrepreneurs we get no value to haters i running, homie look what i become i'm the i'm the one
2: For for many reasons, a lot of people want to talk to our guest today. Okay. Tom, your your thing keeps hitting the table. I don't know what you got, your cufflinks or whatever that is. Yeah. So Tom's been in trouble all morning today, folks. I don't know why. Tom's just doing a lot of stuff today. But today's guest, Dr. Yeah. Peter Navarro. If you don't know who he is, you probably haven't turned on the television. You don't follow politics. Because if you do turn it on, you're gonna see him. Some people love him, some are indifferent. Some don't like him, but his background is absolutely insane with his expertise and a few topics that we definitely want to get into and we've been following up for a minute to get him here. Finally, our uh, buddy here, Malik, AKA Rob, was able to make this work. Let me let me properly introduce with the background. Yeah. Um, he served in the Trump administration as Assistant to President Director of Trade and Manufacturing Policy and the National Defense Production Act Policy Coordinator. He was pre- previously Deputy Assistant to the President and Director of the White House National Trade Council. Uh, wrote a book. uh, He's written a few books. One of the books was Death by China, which we'll cover. There's another one that just came out a few months ago. We'll talk about that as well. He's a strong advocate for reducing U.S. trade deficit and has been critical of Germany and China, accusing both nations of currency manipulation. He supports increasing the size of the American manufacturing sector, setting high tariffs, which is something that... uh, you kind of got to bully some of these guys, and that's one of the ways of doing it. He went to Tufts University on uh, academic scholarship, by the way, just so you know, the alumni of that school is a pretty heavy-duty one. Tufts? It, it, Tufts, yeah. yeah that, that's, that's where Jamie Adrian Diamond. went. Did he really? My best friend, yeah. Jamie Diamond went there. Yeah. You got Peter Gallagher. You got Meredith. I think Meredith, yeah, she, yeah, she went there as well, right? Meredith Vieira went there. It's, it's a very uh, well-known school. Mm. Served in a U.S. Peace Corps in Thailand for three years. Yeah earned a master's of public administration from Harvard, Mm. University John F. Kennedy School of Government in 1979, and a Ph.D. in economics from Harvard under the supervision of Richard E. Caves in 86. Few things. Has run for office multiple times, lived in San Diego. You were a Democrat while going to Harvard. Then you became a registered Republican in 1989, Then you went registered as an independent in 1991 when you ran for mayor of San Diego as an independent. Then you rejoined the Democratic Party in 1994, remained a Democrat during his subsequent political campaigns. He was endorsed by then First Lady (laughs) Hillary Clinton, (laughs) holy moly, during his 1996 campaign for Congress and positioned himself as a progressive on social issues such as choice, gay rights, and religious freedom. Then uh, Navarro supported Hillary Clinton's 2008 campaign and then Barack Obama's environmental policies. And then during the 2016 presidential campaign, Navarro identified as a Reagan Democrat and a Trump Democrat abandoned by my party uh, and obviously supporter of President Trump. What a wild background you have. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. You know,
1: it's, it's, it's great to be here. Uh, the, the one thing you left out of my vita was I actually grew up um, in this area. Uh, my father was a professional musician, and um, he played, he had his own band, and he played uh, like the Blue and Eden Rock. Oh, nice. And Beach. then... The and, good days. Yeah, yeah. When they were just brand new, right? And uh, and then we'd go up the pike to Palm Beach and play play the Palm Beach Towers there. And um, I spent the better part of my childhood uh, riding my bike past uh, what was then the Post Estate. Now, do you know what the Post Estate is now? Is that the Mar-a-Lago. Oh, Mar-a-Lago? Mar-a-Lago. a yeah, yeah. So, wow. I, I, Patrick, it's great to have, have me back here. I think, you know, the the, the political discussion that you said about my party um, switching and all of that, I think it, it, it it's a good place to just put down a marker here on what MAGA is, what the Make America Great movement is. And the other part of my vita I think that's interesting is that I was one of only three. Senior White House officials who served with President Trump from the campaign in 2016 all the way to the end—only one of three. You think about that. You're know, going in. You know the the odds uh, on me lasting the whole time, given all the politics that was in there. But MAGA to me, and this is why I'm I'm, I'm a Trump Republican, a, a Reagan Democrat, Trump Republican. It, it's it's. It, it's, it's got such a bad rap lately from the, the progressive wing of the Democrats. But but while MAGA is, make America great again, um, is three things. It's a triangle. I call it the iron triangle of, of populism. It's, it's uh, at the top of the, the, the pyramid there. It's a strong American manufacturing base and resilient supply chains, mm-hmm. which gives us the employment opportunities, the rising wages, and by the way, the national security we need when we have pandemics or wars. And you get that through things like you mentioned, tariffs, but also Buy American, Hire American, which I was the, the point guy in the White House on. The second leg of the triangle is the secure borders issue, um, where you know, as we speak, uh, we are having the, the biggest invasion. Um, of illegal aliens across our southern border, um, which brings um, a whole host of issues. I'm all for immigration, but but we have to have a a way to ensure that that's going to benefit the people in this country, and right now that's not the case. And then the third part of that triangle is an end to the endless wars, the the Afghanistans and the Iraqs that the, you know, being in the sending people to the Hindu Kush to get blown up by IEDs. And, We're going to cover all that. Down. Down. I got a lot of
2: questions, but for you. that's got, mega. Anyway, that's, that's, that's good for you to share that. I want but, to start but we, that. But
1: we we want to talk
2: about uh, China with you, yeah, you know, on that. how to manage them. My concern is also what did we learn from China on the way Nixon and Kissinger set it up for us to make sure, you know, with India, India just passing up China, they have the youngest population yeah. comparing to, two, you know, they're going to slowly but surely become a powerhouse. And how do you manage that relationship long-term? Mm-hmm. And how different is the India relationship versus the China relationship? We'll get into that as well. Some things came out with a recording with you and uh, the lady that is also trying to... Abby talk- Grossberg. Yep, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Sure. I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, obviously I'll get your thoughts on Tucker. We'll get your thoughts on Dominion with the seven hundred and eighty seven million dollars with Fox, what is happening there and a few other things. But I think probably the most important question to ask you before we, we get into it, are you more of a Bud Light guy or a Coors Light guy? <laughs> I think that's about that's the number right? one question. I think that's what everybody wants to know. Everyone listen are in you, right now. It's a tough answer. Is it, is yeah, it Bud Light, Coors Light, yeah, McCallan, you know, water, you, you know, Pepsi? I, at,
1: at my age, okay. I'm the boringest guy in the world because I cook everything I eat, and uh, I don't imbibe anything. I got a problem, you know. There's, there's like when I get sick, there's nothing I can give up to make me better. So um, I'm more of a water guy. <laughs>
0: Good. I respect it. <laughs> the question I is, uh, if you're it's just, it.
1: it's just never worked for me. If still. you're
0: the one cooking. Yeah. So your wife's not cooking. You are are you only cooking and you buying no, no. and eating American food? Oh no, that's
1: interesting. You know, I can't wh- think of a single thing uh that's imported in in what what I have. Yes, it's it's uh
2: Adam's fresh, right now at a phase you know. of his life that he's he's trying to figure out uh he's he's trying to find his Eve and can she cook American uh, food? So he's mentally okay. and emotionally struggling right now. <laughs> be patient with him. Be patient with him while he's going through
1: Although you know you, you guys i don't see any coffee here so that's cool not allowed not, not allowed, allowed. Yeah. so so coffee my coffee and onions my coffee is uh, dark 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 chocolate hmm. which invariably has to come from abroad there you go.
0: Panamanian,
1: <laughs> extra dark. Hey, you, know, you know, I like that.
0: I need you to stick to that iron triangle and make sure it's yeah, made in America by is. America. Okay, I, America.
1: Thank you for policing me.
2: <laughs> so so, so let, let's talk about a few different things. You, you, you've been sure. criticizing China for a long time. And, you know, whether it's the books you've written about them, whether it's the tariffs, whether the criticism you got, if we do punish them, they're not going to come back. They're not going to do anything to us. We've all seen and read the same stories and watched the exchanges that you've had. <clears throat> what's what's your biggest concern with china uh on where they were before where they are now are they becoming more powerful are they getting weaker because there's a community of people that are saying behind closed doors china's not doing as good as people think this whole concept of the one child family that they did they, they backfired on them because they're getting older people are leaving they're not even sticking around anymore billionaires are leaving job creators are leaving that thing's about to collapse is it a real threat as it was before, are they getting weaker? What are your thoughts on China?
1: It's, it's the greatest existential threat um, this country in the world faces. That 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 is clear. Let me let me let me let your folks know. It's like I started writing about this back in 2006. I wrote a trilogy of books: The Coming China Wars, um, in '06, Death by China, which was both a book and a film in 2011 and just before I went into the Trump administration, Crouching Tiger, the first two books were about the economic threat. The last book was about the military threat. Now, the punchline here is that as bad as I said it was in those three books, mm-hmm. as much crap I took from the legacy media and all the uh, kind of like, oh, no, no. Um, I'm the guy who had a top level unlike. Hunter Biden, uh, I got a top level security clearance. I get to see the highest level stuff. Without giving any secrets away, I can tell you that whatever I said about China in my books is far worse. Far worse. And if you just, here's the thing it's like I was with President Trump by his side when he went face to face with the dictator Xi Jinping, right? And one of the one of the advantages they have is that 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 they don't have elections. Right. So their their team. Right. Their team is the same team when we faced them as, as it was with Biden. Right. And I sat face to face with these guys and what what Trump tried to do. And I think it was a was 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 the right thing to do, given the. Political climate at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to come in hard. It's like you know, these people you can't trust them. Just put the tariffs on them and make them stop doing what I called the seven deadly sins. All the crap they do to steal our jobs and factories. And then he said, no, 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 no. We're gonna we're gonna steadily put on some tariffs, but we're gonna try to cut a deal with them. And I, you know, in Buenos Aires we sat face to face. In Osaka, Japan we sat face to face at the G20. And all we learned, my friend, is all we learned is that they're just stringing us along. That uh, whenever you sit to negotiate with them, they'll agree pretty much to anything. And then at the end of the day, they just wait you out and they break every agreement you set. So you can't. So the policy needs to be, and I think President Trump was clearly going to adopt this as soon as that second term began, is what we call decoupling, decoupling the U.S. economy. I don't know if you know this, but the trade deficit we have with communist China, never call it China, it's communist China, let's be clear about what it is, is about roughly equal to their defense budget. So in effect, every time we go into Walmart, Target, and buy that crap, which usually is stolen designs from American designers. We're funding what is (laughs) an incredible arsenal pointed at our Navy in particular in the South and East China Sea. And they, look, the threats are many and varied, but you just start with asymmetric warfare. What is that? That's being able to sink a $5 billion aircraft carrier with a $1 million missile. Okay, they've got uh, there's a chapter in my my uh, Crouching Tiger book, you know, missiles are us. I mean, they got more missiles than any country in the world. You know, they're 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 just it's like, as Stalin said, quantity has a quality of its own. They can hit the palace in Taiwan in seven minutes from the mainland. And you know what they you know, what they call aircraft carriers, American aircraft carriers Mm. in in China, Mm. communist China targets right Mm. it's just it's like a stupid way it's a stupid way to conduct warfare with communist china you you don't put big aircraft carriers in the taiwan straits and not expect those things not to get shot down i mean we should be putting all our money into uh sea mines ringed around taiwan if we want to take that democracy seriously and 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 submarines just quiet Submarines. So let me ask you. So you, you
2: said a lot of different things. You said it's a lot worse than you think it yes. is. When we went and negotiated with them, I was in those rooms, and we're sitting with these guys, and we're yeah. talking to them. They would make all the promises. They would come back. They would literally break every single one of the yes. promises in the negotiation. Outside of that, they got more missiles than anybody else. They can sink a $5 billion with a $1 million missile, and they can, within seven minutes, attack the Taiwan you know, palace. All of that stuff is public stuff that we know. Okay, what I want to yes. know is... <laughs> if you're saying if yeah. you're saying it's worse than what you know, right? Yeah. What do we not know? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Oh, that is worse than what we know.
1: Well, the, the broad strokes have to do with um, the elements of, for example, China 2025,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which um,
2: The made in China 2025.
1: Yes. Right. And, and the idea was that strategically they want to uh, take over uh, the key strategic tech sectors that are going to determine the future. So AI is certainly one of them. Blockchain. Let's talk about blockchain technology. Okay, um, what what we need to know. Okay, and I, 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 there's certain things I can and cannot say. But but the question is, blockchain technology is a technology which you, is used to encrypt things like Bitcoin and and all our banking system. And if you um, have the key to unlock that blockchain technology. As a weapon of warfare, when the time comes, you can bring down the entire financial system of the United States in in nanoseconds. When the time comes. When the time comes. And when would that time come? For example, Xi Jinping. Okay, you mentioned, okay, some people are saying China is not that... that that doing that great and they got trouble and this, that, and the mm-hmm. other thing. Well, that's that's dangerous because if Xi Jinping gets into domestic trouble, the first thing he's going to do is what? You know the expression. Wag the dog. Wag the dog is going to mean a run on Taiwan. We're going to have to have some kind of reaction. And, you know, what do you do? Do you send carriers into the South China Sea? As soon as one of those sinks... It's game on, or do you blockade um, the 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 routes that China oil, that oil comes from the Persian Gulf to China? I mean, they they seventy percent of their oil comes mm-hmm. from the Persian. I mean, as soon as that kind of stuff happens, then the asymmetric warfare, what they call the unrestricted warfare, kicks in. That's like knocking. I mean, they have the capability right now; they can knock our satellites. Out of the sky, they can use viruses, probably, to take out our electric power grid, and all these balloons that you've seen floating over the United States—that's mm-hmm. part of their information gathering process to execute their unrestricted warfare techniques. When the—I t- mean, it's just—it's just the only thing holding them back. Is the fact that that we're their cash cow, we're the tit they suck on, right we're we're it. we're uncle sucker and and the way they lifted two hundred and fifty million peasants at least up into status of sweatshops was by running big trade surpluses with the United States. so this I mean, this is like, it goes on and on and on. I, just, I, I wrote this in 2006. It reads like a Pentagon report today, and we all we get is all we get is rhetoric and so, BS from the corporate media and the Congress. So let's so let's stay on that. So yeah. these
2: these double Ds that China keeps uh, sucking our nipples off of, right? Yeah. they're very. They've been doing it for a while, and they've flattened a little bit. Okay, the last couple of years, so you know because now. Uh, 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 especially when Trump was there and you were there, and you, you tariff after tariff after tariff after tariff. Hey, Huawei CFO was in Canada doing a deal with Iran, and we found out, guess what, Huawei, you're out. Boom, Huawei loses a third of their valuation. Hey, that person's doing what they're doing. Boom, I was in Monaco, and I'm sitting there talking to a pretty connected guy in politics from Lebanon who was doing a lot of the things for the Uh, countries there and he says you don't even understand the tariffs trump put in iran how much he's hurting iran's economy right now how much they're being affected i'm in this on a daily basis i'm having these types of conversations to see what's going on so let's look at both sides so the only reason why they haven't yet uh, they can they can they can they can attack taiwan they can do this to the you know uh, financial system they can do a cyber attack they can do all these different sorts of things right and, hey, the fact that they are going through the bad thing, we've got to be careful because the whole wag the dog concept, you know, what's going to happen next. Okay, cool. So why don't they? Well, because they're sucking on our nipples. So if we do put the tariffs and we keep it there and we make them drown to the point of catastrophe happening there, then it's definite that they're going to do something. No?
1: Yeah, and, and that's not – look, that's not – that's not the goal. The goal the is a strong America, and the way you get to that is simply wean yourself from the factory floor of communist China and their supply chains. We, we, if we've learned anything from the pandemic, we will be a stronger, more resilient country if we have our manufacturing base and our supply chains here or at least much closer to here. And China, look, if we totally decoupled from communist China, they'd still grow. I mean, that, that genie's out of the bottle. They, they, they're they in Africa. They're in all of South America. Uh, the Europeans welcome them with open arms. But this is not about that. This is about defending ourselves. peace through strength. And it's peace through economic strength. It's peace through national security. And this whole thing, look. These folks you talk to, oh, they're hurting Iran, this, that, and the other thing. The problem is, since we've gone at it with half measures, it's actually strengthening Communist China's hand in places like Iran. Why? Because they are using the American sanctions, right? What are financial sanctions? Sanctions are like you can't trade in U.S. dollars if you do X, right? Right right so if 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 iran gives weapons or whatever to the russians and the ukraine it's sanctioned whatever but the problem is that if you are able to create a yuan ruble based currency system then you don't have to worry about sanctions and so every time we've imposed sanctions in a half measured way it's given russia iran and communist china the incentive to create this alternative currency world and right now they're going hard at it i mean brazil and lula (laughs) that's like brazil under lula is like a, a colony of the communist chinese peru is it very much at risk as well. And the reason is what they call the debt trap diplomacy. That's where China will come in and they'll they'll just shower these these countries with money in order to get infrastructure in there. And and there's, there's so much grift associated with it that the leaders will kind of skim off the top and put their Swiss banks in. And you turn around and next thing you know, China uh, forecloses on the port in Sri Lanka and now they own it and that's like a strategic naval hub so I mean this is a big three-dimensional chess game and we're playing checkers
2: I want to ask you one more question and then Tom I want you if you and I, I think you got some thoughts you want to share so here, here's a question on this so um in 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 a Competitive environment, which we are right now—it's a yeah. competitive climate that we have. But it's from ideology, competitive environment. It's different than capitalism. Capitalism—you're trying to get a market share here, market share there, region, you know, all this other stuff. Politics is the way you think, as well as some resources, right? And they're doing a very good job with getting the right resources. You know, Iran, Africa—they're doing the right things from the competitive standpoint. But if if we go back and look at the case study of tariffs, because I am for tariffs in many cases the part that was for me uh, a a bit strange is china not letting any of our media companies being in china facebook youtube all this yeah. stuff but we have to use your stuff here that to me is 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 a dumb negotiation tactics i'll lift the tariffs if you allow all our social media companies in your country because we got to know what you got going on and i'm not lifting these tariffs until you do that because my concern is we need to know what the hell your people are happy about not happy about You can find out about our people. You can go on Facebook and see all these videos with George Floyd. The, you know, the video. It's, oh, my God, look what's going on in USA. Look what's going on in streets. Look what's going on with Antifa. Look what's going on. Well, great. You have, you have that access yeah. to all that data. We don't have access to all that data. So I do think we have to use tariffs in a way for us to get more citizen journalism in China for us to say, that's how you treat people? We're not for it. That's how you do this? We're not for it. And then... We can get more common sense, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of idea, freedom of all this stuff being injected in China. And then the Chinese people are going to say, look, we don't like the way you're doing this. We got to kind of change." So I think the social media pushing and our media being in China will be my number one thing. That's me. Then the other part is we're giving you all this money. We're not getting it in return. You're winning from us. Now you got 80 percent of chips. All our ACs are pretty much being made in your country. When COVID happened, you shut down your manufacturing. We can do anything with cars. Car prices went up 45%, 60%. You know, the average car payment today in U.S. went from four years ago being $550 to 917 a month when the income hasn't really increased dramatically. That's a massive increase on what's going on. So Americans are now feeling it. But this is the question. Um, how, how does one, based on... The years that you were with President Trump, what did you learn for the next people that are going to come in? And maybe if Trump goes in or maybe, you know, another person is in the White House and it's not Biden's camp because you say you have security clearance. Hunter Biden has the kind of clearance you don't even have. Uh, and it's a different kind of clearance. It's called a daddy clearance, and, and, and you don't have that kind of oh, clearance. So I know I know you're very excited yeah. about your clearance, yeah. but his clearance yeah. is more effective yeah. than yours because he's able to make off yes. money off that clearance, and you yes. cannot. Although uh, you
1: look nice, I'd buy a painting from you. That's,
2: yeah, <laughs> you, you look like an artist. That's a good point. But, but, but going back to it, so imagine— I paint
1: left-handed, by the way, just to exercise <laughs> the other part of my brain. Powerful. Yeah, so much powerful. the better.
2: <laughs> so whoever the next administration is going to be, yeah. So whoever the next Peter Navarro of Trump's administration is going to be or a DeSantis administration is going to be, whoever the next person is going to be, how would you use tariffs and learn from mistakes and things that we did right? So if we had another shot at negotiating with these guys, what would we be asking for? Yeah. And where is a pain point with them? Well, they'll move.
1: Yeah. Well, well uh, first of all, <laughs> I think the best ticket is Trump-DeSantis, where DeSantis does VP for four years and then gets – eight more years. And I wish that they can come to some kind of agreement on on that. And I wrote about that in my uh, Taking Back Trump's America book and have urged that uh, publicly. Okay. So to your question, um, let's first of all, be careful about using tariffs as a bargaining chip. For example, um, China loves that, right? They're very um, transactional. So, so you, you could imagine a discussion now with Xi Jinping and Joe Biden. Hey, she uh, says to Biden, um, you, you get rid of the tariffs on us and we won't sell weapons to Russia. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. That, that, that leaves us no better off in terms of the economy than when we, when we started. Um, let's understand the function of tariffs. What we have in this world, writ large, and it's just not – you mentioned Germany, but it's Europe, it's Brazil, it's it's India, it's Vietnam. We have a world in which virtually all of the major trading partners charge systematically higher tariffs on the United States than we charge on them. Mm-hmm. So – uh, I just had a chapter come out in a book that the Heritage Foundation did, which is what are the policies for 2024 for the presidential candidates? And in that, um, I dusted off uh, from the president's State of the Union speech, I think it was in 2019, the Reciprocal Trade Act. Right. The Reciprocal Trade Act simply says that, hey, we'll, we'll lower our tariffs to yours – Uh, But if you have higher tariffs than ours and you won't lower yours, then we'll raise those to yours. You think that's effective? It it would be damn effective. You, You know who has the highest tariffs in the world relative to us? India. Call it the Maharaja of tariffs. But having said that, the function of tariffs is basically to offset unfair trade advantage. Okay? Countries in the world, they engage in, in, uh, in export subsidies, the VAT tax versus the income tax. The VAT tax is like a form of an export subsidy that, we, that makes it very difficult. China has massive government subsidies. They steal our intellectual property. They force our technology transfer. All that, the whole function of the tariff is to level the playing field for the American worker. Now, the American worker is the most productive in the world. And can compete on a level playing field, but not when other countries cheat. I mean, Having said all of that, with communist China, it's got to be decoupling. There's no, there's no modus vivendi with communist China. They want to kill us. They want this country, and and you know they they are in every which way till Sunday. You know they they inundate our universities with. Sons and daughters of the Chinese Communist Party. They push our kids out, and while they're there, they're wrangled by uh, these Chinese secret police so they don't go off the reservation. And what are they there for? To steal our intellectual property.
2: This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window.
1: Naive. I remember back when I, I got started on all of this, I used to go out and do a lot of um, public speaking to corporate audience before I got canceled. <laughs> That's all another issue. Um, and I would go talk to these trade groups and these guys would come up and they you know, grown men in tears saying, hey, I went over with this great design to have it produced in China. And and by the time I got home, it was in the Walmart under their brand. Oh, it's like yeah. Well, how stupid is that, right? It's like you just—they're playing a different game. I mean, there's no there's no morals, there's no ethics, there's no rules of capitalism. It's just crush us any way they can. So why would you trade with these people? Why would you do that? There's no reason right now to trade with China. I mean, we need, they've got us, you know, penicillin, we need that. There's certain things we're going to need for a while, but that tells you in and of itself you need to get off that. So, Can I, can I ask yeah, a quick sure. question
0: on so this yeah. whole concept of decoupling, right? Yeah. So when Pat kind of uh, edified you at the beginning, you were Democrat, Reagan Democrat, Trump Republican. You, you It seems like your allegiance is straight up to America, America. period. That's Shit. it, America first. Mega, baby. Boom, I'm with you on yeah. this, got it. Um, you know, one of the probably the biggest things that I've learned since being at Valuetainment, my three year anniversary is coming up, by the way. yeah. Um, Congratulations. Respect. Thank you. Uh, General Spaulding, uh, everything that we've learned from that is really the serious threat that China is posing to America. Right. So in this upcoming election, you know, what, you know. It's the economy, stupid. It's healthcare. It's immigration. It's guns. It's abortion. It's uh, gun control. There's so many different lists of things that are going on. Yeah. Obviously, China should be at the top of most people's list. Uh, two-part question. Where should China be in this list of things that people should be considering in the election? And then part two, yeah. if you could, who's against decoupling at this point? Who are the most vocal yeah, sure. advocates of basically saying, no, let's continue our relationship with China? Could you explain?
1: Well, yeah. Um, so so first of all, the Democrats are, are going to want to run this issue on uh, abortion. Full stop. That's it. That's it. They, they, they arguably won the 22—they they cut their losses dramatically in the 2022 race uh, by making MAGA a four-letter word. And by running on, on Roe v. Wade. And yeah, I've written about this where it's like, look, the Supreme Court's not supposed to be political, but that's a conservative majority. I mean, how stupid are they dropping that decision it, 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 basically in the middle of that election? Cycle. The Dobbs decision. I mean, it say. was just, come on. Poor you know, timing. It's, yeah, it's just, I, you know, I mean, come on. and And, and so they're going to try to run that playbook again that's what they're going to do and and they're not going to talk about communist china they're just not and and they're going to talk about russia 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 and and there's a whole nother question is what the hell are we doing over there um we're moving up the escalatory ladder but for me um what president trump needs to run on it's MAGA, the Iron Triangle I talked about. End to endless wars, which has implications for Ukraine. We got an invasion on our southern border, and, and we're a long way from having a strong manufacturing base. Will that happen? I don't think so, but that's what's going to make the American people safe um, and prosperous. And right now, um, we're not in our political system. Man, it is, It's just it's just. Broken. I mean, look at look at my situation. I'm sure you'll talk about it, but like, I I got put in leg irons by the FBI after being taken down at the friggin' Reagan National Airport on my way to do an interview with Mike Ockabee. I wasn't on my way to Brazil to flee anything. It was like they're charging me with a misdemeanor. one phone call they could have called me up. They're putting Bannon, trying to put Bannon in prison. They're raiding Mar-a-Lago. They got hundreds of people locked in DC prison cells from the Jan. 6 thing, which, which more and more looks like an FBI informant kind of motivated kind of event, kind of an entrapment scheme. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden is going free. And everybody who was involved in the Russia hoax dating back to 2016 on the Democrat side goes free, and everybody in between. That That is a broken, partisan, weaponized system. But they got their playbook down. They're going to go in and do what they did in 2020. They're going to—I call it the grand stuff-the-ballot-box strategy. I mean, to still do its essence, it's you— you, you stuff that ballot box with absentee ballots. At the same time, you take away things like signature match. So you don't know whether those ballots are, are, are valid or not. And you just overwhelm a Republican party, which is too friggin' stupid to understand that if you rely on game day voting, you're going to have a lower turnout because things happen. You know, parents have sick kids or they they have to go to work or whatever so this system this political system which should be focused on china but is going to focus instead on things like russia and abortion is going to you know my greatest fear is that we're going to lose the one last opportunity we have to save this country and that's not dramatic that's not hyperbole it's just I mean I've seen it I mean I've I've lived this thing we're we're in a stagflationary 1970s environment threatened by communist China and you know it's like (laughs) nobody's paying any attention to that except
2: the show let me let me and I appreciate kudos to that yes thank you thank you for that and Peter question for you that was a good question you asked there Adam to go into that direction I want I want to wrap up the conversation about tariffs I really want to understand this tariffs sure. uh, and, and what it does. Do you think how, – how, how long do we put those strong sanctions and tariffs on Iran? What was the timeline of that?
1: Well, they're still on. Okay. Yeah. And, and is it still well, – as- The tariffs are irrelevant to Iran. It's more just the financial sanctions on oil, right? And the thing you have to understand about financial sanctions and oil is oil is priced in U.S. dollars. And, and as long as oil is priced in U.S. dollars – Iran can be hurt by that. But the problem now is we've got the Saudis flirting with the, the Chinese um, and agreeing to trade in yuan, which is the Chinese currency. And that, that provides an opening for Iran and the Middle East to, you know, if, you, if, if we stop trading worldwide oil in dollars, that has its own.
2: Do, do you think the sanctions and the and the tariffs that we had on china on you know russia on iran all these that we had <laughs> do you think that that unified them because yes, they yes, all okay, okay so yes. so russia yes. china iran yes. saudi and even maybe brazil but, they're all looking at saying oh but, yeah, yeah listen, but let
1: me give you an example because you just you, i thought you were going in a slightly different direction it's like when rocket man in north korea was giving us such a friggin hard time mm-hmm. and the boss wanted to bring bring rocket man under control we slapped sanctions on on them um, and and told the communist Chinese, you know, like, don't be giving them oil and anything like that. Otherwise, we're sanctioning you. We didn't enforce that stuff. And we could see it. You talk about, I mean, I can tell you something from the, the top secret briefings because it wound up in the New York Times eventually. Um, you could see, like, these, these uh, ships that would go out Uh, You The Chinese would would send it to Vietnam. The tankers would go out in the middle of the ocean, and then they'd switch them, and then off that oil would find its way uh, to North Korea to heat the palace of uh, Kim Jong-un while the people of North Korea starve and freeze. But the point is that unless those sanctions are hard and tight, like a Nolan Ryan fastball, all you've done is create this, alternative currency monster, which is where we're heading now, sir.
2: Okay. So so we can skip that part because I, in my own mind, I just kind of wanted to know that some of those tariffs maybe unified our enemies yeah. and now they got stronger and they're realizing, you know what, here's how we're going to deal with not, uh, not
1: the tariffs,
2: the sanctions. Sanctions, sure.
1: That's a se- separate matter. It's a totally separate matter. Tariffs... What's more painful? Um, well, it depends on the country. For Iran, clearly financial sanctions. sanctions. Right. Cause they don't they don't trade a lot in other goods right it's, when did they remove when we when they're, they're, they're still on they're still on yeah there's okay. there's some form of sanctions still on Iran because look if Iran gets the bomb you know Israel is like like maniacally and rightly focused on making sure that Iran doesn't doesn't get the capability of drop the big one because damn well they'll they'll use it but Iran I mean look <laughs> Communist China is at the at the top right I, I think Iran is more dangerous than Russia, far more dangerous because you, you they basically you know we went in with a stupid endless war in Iraq and now Iran basically controls Iraq.
0: Dangerous right? in what regard to the world, to the US, yes, to Yes, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. Because
1: they, they want to kill the great Satan. I mean there's there's no question about Iran wanting to take down the United States. I mean go back to Khomeini's statements about the, the great Satan in america right and and they uh they're they're basically a breeding ground for for what i fear from china is not nuclear weapons right No, that's not the way they're going to do it they're going to do it through this unrestricted warfare te- techniques blockchain technology to disrupt our financial system viruses to take out our uh, electric grid and other types of uh, ca- capacity. Um, we haven't even talked about the the Wuhan virus. Yeah, I was going mean, to say
0: actual viruses. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, uh, look, they learn. Boy, did the the, the the dangerous lesson from what Communist China spawned in that lab, and it came from that lab, is that the American democracy seems extremely more vulnerable to disruption by viruses than other countries. We just, at the end of the day, you look at you could quarterback this. We, we just did not handle that properly. You know, we, and we were lied to. I mean, I go off on Fauci for, I mean, I don't know if you read, read my, my last book, the, the Taking Back Trump's America, but there's a scene in the Situation Room where I first meet Tony Fauci on January 28, 2020. Now, let's frame that, right? January twenty 2020. 2020. Six weeks
2: 20. Before, before all the shutdowns. Seven yes. weeks before. So yes.
0: Biden just took office, yes. was sworn yes. in eight days before, uh, prior. No
2: no. no, no. No, 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 no. This no. is a year this is, prior to that. January 20, 2020. 2020. This is, yeah. the year this is we...
1: January of the election year. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. gotcha. Is is the, ten the, months gotcha. before the election Got itself. Exactly. It. is, is the, the, and a year before, before, before yeah. Biden came in. This two months is the before virus COVID. Got that it. would take down Trump. Okay. Okay. So I'm there. I wrote here, check this out. 20 in the coming China Wars, I write that China is likely to create a virus that will kill millions? Hmm? 2006. So when that stuff started coming in over the cable traffic, I'm I'm looking at that in December, and I, it's like my antenna are up, right? And the boss sends me to the sit room on the 28th, and he says, "Get get me the travel ban on China. We got to do that. And those people... People in that room are against it. You know, it was Mulvaney running the room. He was the chief, acting chief of staff. Mick
0: Mulvaney at the time? Mick Mulvaney. Republican chief of staff. Yes, Trump he's, staff. he's
1: chairing that meeting. I walk in there. I don't know any of these people were from outside the White House, right? So who's Who there? Red, in that room? Redfield from CDC and Fauci from NIH, NIH right? Yeah. Those were the two big players, I go in there, and within six minutes, I'm in a shouting match with that son of a bitch. And all he keeps saying is with Fauci. With Fauci. I don't know who he is. Okay. Literally, don't even know who Fauci is. Didn't know who he was. Didn't know he walked on water. Wow. Didn't know he killed tens of thousands of people during the AIDS epidemic and got away with it. That's another story. Um, don't know who he is, but you know it's like it's like somebody walks in here and sits down here. You don't know who he is, and you start interviewing him. What do you do? You take their measure, right? Mm-hmm. And my measure of Fauci was this dude thinks he's a whole lot smarter than he is, and he's an arrogant son of a bitch.
0: This is within the first six minutes. Six minutes sounds like okay? an Antonio Brown interview.
1: And I'm, you know, the one one of the things I'm good at is taking the measure of people pretty quick. The boss is good at that too. Trump. And I'm thinking, what? And so I fight with this guy. Mulvaney, I'm fighting with him. Redfield comes in and supports Fauci. And we leave that meeting with Mulvaney tries to say, all right, we have a consensus. We're against the travel ban. I said, no, 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 Mick. There's no frigging consent. I just like it. No, 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 Mick. There's no consensus in this room. And, and Pottinger finally says something. He's a National Security Council. And what I do uh, that night is I go home and I write a memo that, I, that I'm that i going to plaster to the entire task force and, and broad chain that says that if we don't do this, if we don't do this, this virus is capable of killing half a million Americans and costing us trillions of dollars. January 28, 2020. Hmm. And that was that's about his, the best memo I've probably ever written because it was spot on. And here's the punchline. Fauci, when he was sitting there, that SOB knew for a fact that that virus came from the Wuhan lab. He knew that because he had funded the gain-of-function research in that lab, and he had already begun to design a cover-up. And we know that from the emails he sent to a group of, of researchers, academics, trying to get their support to push that come from nature theory. And that's the biggest lie of omission in American history, because if he had simply owned up to the fact that that thing came from the lab, we could have pressured the Chinese to give us the genome sequence which would have allowed us to design an effective vaccine rather than the crap we wound up getting. And again, Trump got lied to about that, not just by Fauci, but by Pfizer, the drug company. In what way? They didn't disclose the side effects of that. And they weren't clear with him. They made him think that it was a true vaccine when it's not. It's mRNA technology. And, you know, I... I, I, I worked with a guy named Dr. Robert Malone. You have him on the show sometime. We had him. Yeah, yeah. It's like the way – I mean, Malone was out there beforehand, but but I had him on Steve Bannon's War Room when I was guest host, and he sat kind of like like you and me are sitting, Patrick. And we talked about all this and wound up writing a three-part series in the Washington Times about how the universal vax policy would basically – spawn mutations that would be more lethal. Oh, I mean, you don't have to get too much in that. But my point is that, is that that day, that January 28th day was a very significant one overlooked in the history of the pandemic and in American history because Fauci was there. He opposed the president's travel ban. He lied to the American people by not disclosing right then what should have been his, his, even if he didn't know that it came from the lab, he should have told us it might have come from the lab. And because he didn't do that, we didn't get the genome, we didn't get a thing. And Fauci goes on and sticks a sticks knife in the back uh, of the president throughout that election cycle. I, I, you know, I told the boss to fire that SOB twice. And what did twice. Trump say when you told him well, that? Well, the problem was um, I was the lone voice. And I don't blame him for not taking my advice in that. You know, I'm like, what I'm, I'm like the trade advisor, right? And, and he had like, every time Fauci got into political trouble uh, with Trump, uh, Redfield, CDC, Steve Hahn, the head of the FDA, um, Azar, the head of the uh, Health and Human Services, come to his rescue.